Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey everyone, welcome back. Episode number 14 here of Schwartz on Sports, presented by the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am your host, Noah Schwartz, for today. Big show ahead of us. I've got a guest on today. We'll, he'll be on for the entirety of the show. We'll talk all about the blockbuster James Harden trade from yesterday, as well as the four NFL divisional games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Should be a fun weekend of NFL. And of course, we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. So I'm going to welcome on my intern with Schwartz on Sports, Owen. How's it going, guys? Owen Tambor. He does a lot of work for us behind the scenes, but this is the first time he's been on the show. But I wanted to give him an opportunity to give some opinion, give some insight, analysis, and just how have him on the show. So, Owen, how you doing? Good. Uh, sorry, there's a giant truck outside my house, but that's beside the point. Uh, doing good. You know, it's finally, it's good to be on the actual podcast instead of behind the scenes. So, you know, I'm really happy to be here and, you know, contribute to the uh, podcast other than behind the scenes, you know, get my voice out there. So yep. I think it will be good. Absolutely. We'll be right back to talk with Owen next. The Belly Up Podcast Network has partnered with ChampionshipFootballs.com. It's the coolest present for anyone to open, guaranteed. Wouldn't you like your favorite team's special season to last forever? Welcome to your place for championship souvenir footballs. These custom footballs will let you remember a youth or high school or college or even an NFL football team's special season. Make sure you go to BellyUpSports.com, shop, and save 10% off with promo code BELLY with ChampionshipFootballs.com. So let's begin with what was a crazy day in the NBA yesterday. I know all of us were following it as it was happening live on whether it was TV or Twitter or wherever you were looking, it was all going down. So James Harden, as we saw a couple days ago, publicly in his post-game press conference requested a trade. He was like, this is not working. This is not a fixable situation in Houston. I'm out. I want to be out. So the Rockets worked to get a trade and they – Got a deal done with the Nets. They're getting hard, or the Nets are getting Harden. Rockets are getting Karis LeVert, who then got dealt to Indiana. They're getting Dante Exum, Rodion's Kuruks. They're getting Victor Oladipo. Four first round picks and four pick swaps. And Cleveland is also involved in the trade. They're getting Jared Allen, Torian Prince uh, from Brooklyn. And then, as I said, LeVert heading over to Indiana uh, in a mini swap when you throw him in with Oladipo. So that's the trade. It basically means that the Rockets control the Nets draft future for the next, almost the next decade. So it's a lot to give up, uh, especially in terms of draft capital. But what did you think of it, Owen? Did you think this is the right move for Brooklyn? I mean, it's a big risk, of course. You know, Kyrie's missing in action. Um, they don't know really what he's doing. I mean, you know, he had that maskless party and, um, you know, the NBA is really struggling to get going. I mean, so many games have been suspended, so they don't know where he is, so you know, hopefully, you know, the NBA resumes soon and he comes back, but who knows? It might just be Kevin Durant and James Harden because they don't really know where Kyrie is. So, I mean, hopefully he gets his act together because, you know, if they can all figure everything out, they're obviously the favorite in the East, I think. I mean, that's three of the best players in the NBA all on the same team, but just a matter of whether they can figure out chemistry-wise and work together um, because, you know, that's three big egos on that team, maybe two, uh, no, it's, it's three. It's three. Yeah. <laughs> three big egos. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I think it will work, but you just got to – but it might – it obviously might not, you know. They don't know where Kyrie is. He's, you know, kind of off the grid. So, it's it's a big risk, but uh, obviously it can have a big reward in the end, obviously, if they end up – you know, I think if they if they really get it together, they definitely have a chance to make the finals, a pretty large chance. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And there was a lot of people yesterday – whether it be on Twitter or in the media or wherever, fans, and they were saying, well, if they bring Harden into Brooklyn, how are they going to play with only one basketball when you have three guys with such high usage rates that need the ball in their hands? And I was like, sure, I guess so. But at the same time, and, as, and you know this too, Owen, what, what wins in this league is talent, right? What wins in this league is star talent. And we've seen it a hundred different times over the course of history. When you have superstars – and you put the right pieces around those superstars, chances are you have a great chance to win the title. We just saw it last year with the Lakers. You had LeBron, you threw in another super-duper star in AD, a couple of role players there, some veterans, and you're fine. And they won the title quite easily in the bubble. They rolled through everybody else. Yeah, I think the Nets have a chance to do that because I don't care that they can't play much defense with this team. I don't care that they might not have the depth they had with Levert there and and, Jordan, and Allen and Prince. I, I don't care about that. What I care about is that on every single possession, you have Kyrie Irving when he comes back. I, I assume he'll be back soon. You have Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, and all three of them can go for 50 on any night or even 60 on any night. And that's how they're going to win games. They're going to outscore just about everybody they face. They're going to be better offensively than just about anybody they face. And they'll build their chemistry. They'll definitely get used to playing with one another. But just right off the bat, in the beginning, they're going to score 130, 140 on a lot of nights just because they have three guys who, in one-on-one situations, are as good as any three players we've seen in the last 20 years. So that's how I think about it. They're going to be the title – not only you said the East favorites. I think they are – as long as these three are together, it could be the next three years, however long, they'll be the heavy title favorites in every season they're together. Yeah, and this is – the next couple of years is really their like window to do it. I mean, cause you know, this is when they're all in their prime pretty much. And you know, this is really their time to do it. And if they don't do it now though, like obviously it's a big risk reward, you know, they got to win a title either this year or the next year, because after that, then, you know, that's when the Rockets start to, you know, see their, the fruits of the labor come because of all the pick swaps and everything. So it's really the, the Nets really need to win a title this year, next year in order for this to really pay off. So you know, they have they don't have much time, but, you know, it's not like they really need to wait. They just got to push for the title now. It's really the time to do it. And not only that, too, Owen, Harden has an opt-out at the end of next year, and so does Durant, and Irving can leave soon, too. So if they don't get a title in the next year or two, like before the end of next season, those guys could all say, all right, this isn't working, and just leave, right? So And, 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 what, and what could happen if, if that were to be the case – not only would the Nets be significantly worse if they lost all these stars, but of course, as you said, right, the pick swaps are going to happen and they're going to get all of the first round picks in all those years. And of course, if the Nets are really bad, that only benefits the Rockets because they're going to get all those picks and they're going to be high in the lottery. So, so you're right. It's all about what can happen for the Nets now. And I don't know how many years these guys will make it work together. I would say, that based on the egos and everything, it wouldn't be the longest time, maybe two, three years max. But 
if you can do it for just that amount of time and you can get two or three championships out of it because they'll be the heavy favorites, that's worth it. I don't care how many first-round picks you gave up. And as we've seen, a lot of teams are saying in the modern NBA, first-round picks aren't really that valuable if we're trying to win, right? I mean, think about what we saw this summer with the Bucks. They gave up three first-rounders to go get Drew Holiday in pick swaps. And Drew Holiday is not even on the same level as James Harden at all, right? I mean, they're, they're far apart in terms of their talent. So a lot of these winning teams are saying, I don't really care about throwing in first-round picks just because I'm never going to really need them until I'm bad and I'm just planning on being good now and hopefully into the future. I'm going to take that risk and do it. So I think it's totally worth it for Brooklyn. The people that are saying they can't defend, can't rebound, they'll be too small, not enough depth, all that. Who cares? They have the opportunity to win championships right now. And as we know, when this, when you have a team like this with star talent at the buyout market or at the trade deadline, guys are going to want to go to Brooklyn guys that are veterans that can fit a role that haven't won a championship yet in their career or looking to get another one. Those guys will look to head to Brooklyn. We've seen it in the past. Markeith Morris just last year with the Lakers buyout market heads to their team is a starter on uh, in one of those series against Houston. They end up winning the title. He gets his first ring. So we've seen this precedent before, and I bet the Nets will not be done making moves yet. I think they'll definitely be active if they need to tweak and, and tinker with their roster. They can definitely do so. And they'll find any quick fix for whatever slight issue they may have if something arises here with these three stars surrounded by the role players. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – it's definitely going to be a big risk, and I, I think it will pay off. You know, it's just a matter of if they can really, you know, if everyone really buys in. And you know, COVID's making that difficult. Obviously, I mean, right. you know, everything's all over the place. You know, I'm not totally sure if the NBA, you know, might have a two-week hiatus. You know, two-week break. You know, that's really up in the air. I mean, so many games are being postponed, and you know, it's starting to. The NBA seems right now kind of like in a in a bad situation. I mean, so many games are postponed, uh, rosters are thin, so, you know, they have time to work things out, but COVID's definitely making that difficult for sure. As is the Kyrie situation, as you brought up before, right? Yeah. Because who knows when he's going to be back if that, I mean, honestly, if it keeps going on like this, I think, I think he will be back, especially now with the Harden thing. But if he really doesn't want to play, I mean, he could very easily just never come back. Just he could never return this whole season. He could never come back at all. Like who knows? We had people on TV yesterday. I saw Stephen A. Smith calling on calling on Kyrie to retire just because he was acting so unprofessionally. Who like who knows with that situation? But even if that were to happen, that's that's obviously worst case scenario. They're still going to have two guys that have combined to win seven scoring titles in Harden and Durant. Seven yeah. scoring titles. That's insane. Yeah, so, and they still have good role players. Even if they're getting rid of those, you know, two of their good role players, or even Jared Allen is more than a role player, I would, you could argue. They still have, you know, DeAndre Jordan and Joe Harris and, uh, you know, other pieces around them. You know, it's just a matter of having the right pieces around two superstars and having the two superstars meld together. And they've played together before, James Harden and right. Kevin Durant, obviously. It didn't work out in the past the way it was supposed to, but now they're much older and – I wouldn't necessarily say James Harden is more mature, but that's beside the point. Um, he's definitely more experienced and has the yeah, star they're, level. They're star power. Not as young, he's not as young as he was when they were playing the uh, Miami Heat in the finals. So they can definitely do it this time around. It's just, you know, I feel like this will really be the 
breaking point of Harden's career, especially, you know, if, if, if they can't win a title, he'll be looked at as, you know, kind of a failure. I mean, not a failure, like he's still great, but you know, he didn't reach that next level that he was supposed to. No, that, that's a great point you make because <laughs> I have always said, I'm, I'm a big Harden fan. He's one of my top 10 players, my favorite players of all time. I, I love James Harden. I've watched him for many years and a lot of people critique his game and whatnot, but I think he's just amazing. Uh, but what I've always said is if there's one star in the league that doesn't have a ring who I want to see win, win a ring, it's him. It's, it's, it's Harden. I want to see him get a championship. And he was so close to doing it in 2018. He was basically a, a Chris Paul string hamstring away from, from getting to the finals and probably beating that LeBron horrible Cavs team from 2018. So that was as close as he ever got. And it didn't come to fruition. They didn't win it that year. Uh, but yeah, this, this is his best opportunity now, right? This is, what, this is the, the one chance he'll have in his career where he is the prohibitive favorite because he's never been the prohibitive favorite ever. Because he was he was facing Golden State all those years, they were the better team. They beat him in the playoffs a bunch of times, and then he was in Oklahoma City, and he was a role player. He was a bench guy, wasn't really considered to be one of the two top players with Durant and, and Westbrook. So that was that that's separate. And then for most of his Houston tenure, like he was either facing Golden State or San Antonio, or LeBron came to the West and that messed everything up. They never were the prohibitive favorites, the the team to beat. They were always in the mix, but they were never the team to beat. And so Harden never got over that hump and people do cr- criticize him quite a bit on, Oh, he failed in this year's playoffs. So he had the horrible 2017 game six against San Antonio. He had the, the three, one collapse against the Clippers in 25th, uh, or he won the three, one collapse at 2015 against the Clippers, but they couldn't beat Golden State in the conference finals. He's had a bunch of d- different years where people have criticized him and said that he failed. You could argue that one way or the other, but what I'll say is he has to do it now. Because if he doesn't win, and you said it, if he doesn't win this time, Owen, that would mean that he couldn't win as the underdog. He couldn't win as the favorite. That is That says something about you. And we know that he's played with different stars, Westbrook, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. It hasn't worked with any of those partnerships long-term. So, of course, you're taking a risk, as you've said. But they, they had to go ahead and do this because if Harden wants a ring, and, and obviously he wants to win one, he's said that 100 times, this is the best place. Yeah, and you know – you know, even this is this crazy season, you know, it, it would be even more impressive, arguably. I mean, you know, it's not in a bubble, so still like, you know, you're traveling all over the place. So it's still like a real NBA season for sure. It's not the bubble. Obviously the bubble, you know, it's still real basketball, but definitely, you know, it's back to somewhat of a normalcy, you know, traveling, going to stadiums, even if there's like no or limited fans. So, you know, it's, yeah, this is like you said, and I said, this is the time to do it and he has to do it now. Yep. Um, and, you know, you know, they have some, they have good teams in the East to face, but you know, if they can make it out of the East, I think obviously the biggest challenge would be whoever comes out of the West, which would probably be the Lakers. Um, I think they can get through anyone in the East, you know, the Bucks or uh, the Celtics or the 76ers, but if they get it out of the East, which they should, uh, if they don't, that's not good. But if they make it out of the East, then it's really just whoever makes it out of the West, which like I said, is undoubtedly most likely 99% going to be the Lakers. So that would be their biggest. Yeah. Test. And the Clippers will be there too. I think they'll be in the mix, but yeah, the Lakers are the favorite there. Yeah. So if they end up, if it's ended up being a Nets Lakers finals, you know, that would be, and they win that, that would be, it wouldn't be like illegitimate, you know, that's just two super teams basically playing each other or yep. close to close to super teams, but really the best teams playing each other. And, you know, whoever wins is better for that year. That is so. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I guess 
there isn't really much to say on this anymore. It's just like we said, you know, it's this is the time for them to win. But, you know, moving on, I guess, to NFL playoffs. I mean, no, no, let's talk about this from the Rockets' perspective. Okay, that's true. Yeah, no, I definitely, because I, and, and I want to get into this a little bit because I was talking to people yesterday and, and after this whole went down, I really thought the Rockets did horribly. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, they got the first round picks and they got. And they got the pick swaps, and and that's obviously huge. That they needed they needed the draft capital because if they're going to go into a rebuild, you want to have picks. But here's the thing for me: so they get Karis Levert, and then they immediately flip him over to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. That made no sense. First of all, Karis Levert, you could argue, is a better player than Oladipo. That's number one. Number two, he's on a long term contract. Oladipo's a free agent after the season. Yeah. Here's what else happened. They didn't get Jarrett Allen, who I love from Brooklyn. I think he is an awesome young center. He goes to Cleveland. They don't get him. So if you look at what the Rockets got back, the only somewhat young players they got were Oladipo, an impending free agent, Dante Exum, who's a draft bust, picked fifth overall like six years ago. He's done nothing. And Rodi Kuruks, who is at best a fringe role player in a rotation, maybe your ninth man, and probably not on most teams. Yeah, the most important thing That's they, all they got, got though. Picks, picks no, was the most important thing. No, though. it was no, but here, here's what I'll argue. So I, I saw so as we've known, Philadelphia was was right in the mix to make this trade. And apparently Daryl Morey, who was reluctant to for a while, apparently I saw a tweet yesterday. I don't know how true it is, but I'm gonna go off this tweet because I do trust the reporter that that put this out there. That Daryl Morey, who runs the Sixers, did offer Ben Simmons and then there were some picks in there. I think Tyrese Maxey, the young Kentucky player who they just drafted, he was also thrown in the deal, potentially Matisse Thibel. To me, the only way the Rockets should have traded Harden was if they got a transformational, foundational superstar to be the face of their franchise. Yeah, I don't know why. And if Ben that's Simmons true, is that guy. How do you not make that trade? If that's true, I don't know why the Sixers Philly. offered that. I, they should not have offered that. That's a lot. Oh, Especially, you, don't, oh you don't think they should have, should, should have traded Simmons for Harden? I don't think the Sixers should have maybe not maybe Jess Simmons, but putting in Tyrese Maxey and that's that's a lot. That's a lot. I don't know. Especially James Harden is not, you know, he's not looked at as a you know a really good you know good guy to have on your team right now. So I don't know. But I mean, I would have taken that deal in a heartbeat if I was the Rockets, obviously. But you know, it's it's a done deal now, so they have to just go forward with what they have. I mean, it's yeah. too late. No, so, I understand. I know it's too late. I just and, and I look at their front office. Raphael Stone is a first-year general manager, was underneath Daryl Morey for many, many years as the assistant GM. And if we look at what the Rockets have done over the last half decade, every time they've had a first-round pick, they've traded it, essentially. They had to go for, deal for Chris Paul. Uh, they had to deal for Westbrook. And that obviously took a lot of draft capital to make those things happen. So they've never made first-round picks really at all. They don't have yeah. any young players on their team. They haven't for a while. And now we expect them to make all these first-round picks and nail it in the draft. I don't know if that's going to happen. Who knows if that's going to happen whatsoever and find a star. You had a guy like Ben Simmons sitting in front of you if you just took the deal. And I tweeted this yesterday. I stand by this. The fact that they didn't take the Sixers deal, who they, they should have been – they should have really enticed the Sixers anyway. They should have tried to get the Sixers to make this move and, and pushed Daryl Morey and nudged at him and said, Daryl, make this move. We want Simmons. We want Simmons. We'll trade you Harden for Simmons. They should have been doing that. And the fact that they didn't make the deal with Philly and to get Ben, to me, I know it's only been 10 games as a GM, 
that is a fireable offense on the on the on the behalf of Raphael Stone, the new general manager. Yeah, it, it I mean, is, that to me is a fireable offense. I, the fact that they didn't do that, and then they they traded Karis Levert for a guy who's going to be a free agent. You got no young players to to build around. I love Jared Allen. Torian Prince is pretty good. You let those guys walk. They they're they're, they're now on 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 the Cleveland. You let Karis Levert go, so you get nothing. The only thing you get in this trade is players that you have no idea how they're going to end up being in the NBA because they haven't been drafted yet. So I understand getting all the draft capital, but you should have gotten a foundational star. And Ben Simmons, regardless of whether he can shoot or not shoot, is a top 20 player in the league. And you didn't make that move? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely questionable, but was there any other teams that were in the mix to make a trade in all this? I don't like for Harden. I'm not well, really there was- sure. I think right at the end, like yesterday, I think the two finalists really were Brooklyn and, and Philly. I think that was what it came down to. But there were other teams who I think definitely made calls and had varying levels of interest. I thought that throughout the process, and I don't know how involved any of these teams were, but I'll just throw them out there. I thought if the Sixers could potentially – or sorry, if, if, if Houston could potentially work with Dallas – to get Kristaps Porzingis, that would be awesome to get Harden and Luka teamed up. I thought that would be a nice a, a trade that could work. I thought if they could potentially call the Boston Celtics to make a Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart plus young players trade, or maybe draft picks, whatever, make a trade like that work for Harden, I thought that would be a good idea. There were a couple other teams, possibly Denver. I thought Denver possibly had the package to do it with Michael Porter Jr. and Bol Bol and some other young guys that they have. I, I really like Denver's roster. So there were a couple places around the league, a few places, where I was, I was thinking, all right, this could work. And I figured that the moment Spencer Dinwiddie got injured, it took the Nets off the table. That, that was just my assumption a couple weeks ago. When Spencer Dinwiddie got injured for Brooklyn, that was it because all of a sudden that's a really nice young guy who you can throw into the trade and, and Houston can help and, and he could be their starting point guard or starting starter for them. Yeah. And when they he got injured, him, right? he wasn't in the trade. I was like, all right, this is probably done. And, and that's kept him, right? Yeah, they kept him. So whenever that's he's good. back from injury next good. year, he'll be there as a starter. I mean, that's amazing. He might be back in the playoffs, right? Or That's a possibility. He has not been fully ruled out yet. So they kept Spencer Dinwiddie, too. And they kept Joe Harris. And they kept yeah. DeAndre Jordan. And they kept Shamit and Bruce Brown, two young players I like. So I really thought that the Rockets could have gotten every single ounce of talent outside of Irving and Durant. And they didn't do enough. They weren't aggressive enough, right? And we've seen this before, like, when we saw the AD trade last year, when they got when the Lakers got him, they had to trade Ingram, they had to trade Lonzo, they had to trade Josh Hart, they had to trade draft picks, they had to give up a lot. The only somewhat young player they kept was Kuzma. That was the only guy they were able to keep. I thought that Houston should have been more aggressive, making sure that they took talent away from Brooklyn because outside of the draft picks, like I said, they didn't give up a lot. In terms of the actual players that are contributing to the 2021 Brooklyn Nets, they only lost Allen, Prince, and Levert in their rotation, and all those guys didn't even go to Houston. So I, I thought it was—I thought it was actually disgraceful the way that the Rockets handled this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying for sure, but you know, we'll see if they can end up making some good draft picks or pick swaps or something out of this. Um, you know, and who knows if the Rockets are done um, making trades with what they have now? Who knows if they're going to like completely go rebuild mode and get rid of Oladipo or something or? Yeah, I think PJ Tucker is probably the next guy. I thought he was already out. I thought he already got they got rid of him. No, no, Tucker's still there. He's on an 
eight million dollar a year deal. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I was actually surprised. It, honestly, I was surprised he wasn't in the Nets, tra- like in the trade yesterday. I thought he was going to go to Brooklyn. I figured that Harden, if there was one person he'd want to bring with him to any situation, it would be Tucker. They seem to be really close. Uh, and, and he's an expiring, he's on an expiring contract. So it made sense for the Nets to get a veteran. They didn't do it. I assume Tucker will be a commodity among a lot of contenders. I think they'll probably trade him. But I have to say, too, the rest of that roster doesn't seem very tradable. Like John Wall's contract, you can't really trade that. Uh, Eric Gordon's new extension, you can't really trade that. They don't have many proven commodities, guys that are going to be wandering around the league. Maybe Daniel House, who's a little bit older, like third full season, but he's like 25, 26. Maybe you could get something for that. Uh, ben McLemore can make threes at a high level. Maybe you could potentially get a second rounder or something, or maybe a young, like a decent young player for him. But they don't have many assets. So they're kind of in a situation where they're going to ride it out with whatever they have, maybe tweak or so, something like that. But I don't think they have that many assets. They're going to have to now build around Christian Wood. He looks like their best player, the young center that they have. So mm-hmm. they got to build around him, see how many points he can score, and make him the lead man in that offense because they don't really have a whole lot outside of, I guess, you have Old Depot and Wall. But for the future, guys that are going to be there long term, it's the only guy is Wood to me. Yeah, and even then, you know, it's building around a center doesn't really, you know, win championships. Uh, right, true, you know, definitely true. I guess Anthony Davis, but, you know, you still have to pair a center with someone else. You can't just have Anthony Davis alone on the Lakers. you got to have two people together. So, you know, Christian Wood is good, but, you know, he's not a superstar. So, like, having him just be him, they gotta, they got to put something else around him, obviously. And, right. You and know. That, that's honestly where I thought LaVert and Allen and – Prince and Dinwiddie, all those guys, they could have helped in that area. Because yeah. if you because if you take all the Brooklyn young players and throw them on Houston, I mean you're not a good team necessarily, but you might contend for a playoff spot, sort of like what the Pelicans are doing, right? They they have big needs, obviously. They're not anywhere near where they need to be. But a team with Ingram and Lonzo and, and Hart, you throw those guys and you add a couple veterans and obviously you throw Zion onto that. All of a sudden, it's a pretty decent team. They're, they're maybe not a playoff threat, or maybe they're just outside the playoff mix, but they're competitive. They're going to fight you every night, and teams look at them as somewhat of a threat. Houston could have become at least somewhat of a threat, maybe hung around the middle for a couple of years, however long, and then you start to build towards adding new stars. But this team looks like it's going to be so bad as soon as some of these older players either decline or leave that there's really nothing that other players around the league are going to look at and say, oh, you know what, I want to go to Houston. Like, there's no, there's no reason for them to go to Houston. Yeah, and I don't terrible. know what Cleveland – I don't know what Cleveland's going to do with Jared Allen. You know, they have Andre Drummond, so, like, they I don't could know trade. They could trade it. Drummond. Allen's the guy they should build around. Yeah, I agree. I just don't know if they're going to trade Drummond. I don't know if they're going to, like, try to – maybe they're going to have, air, like, power forward center, like, have both of them in the lineup. I'm not really sure how that's right. going to work. Um, but, you know, I think – the Cavs got the Cavs really got to really finesse this situation. Yeah, they they got these two young players and they basically just gave up one first round pick. That was all they had yeah, to do. Yeah, they have, you know, now they have. Um, I almost said uh, Sexton. That's like the nickname, but yeah, <laughs> Sexton. Um, they have Garland, uh, Andre Drummond. Now they have uh, Lavert and they have Jared Allen. So that's. And I really that's like good. Isaac Okoro, who they drafted fifth out of Auburn. Yeah, I mean, you know, already. in my 2K my career, I'm on the Cavs and he sucks, but you know, that's that's <laughs> that's that's not real life. So, but he's he's definitely probably good. I mean, he scored like 17 the other night. They have a good, you know, after LeBron left, everyone was like, oh, they're screwed. But um, you know, they kind of built something now. They have a good young talent, and uh, 
right now I think they're like they're you know they're not a terrible team right now by any means I think they have a just positive record so you know no one really expected that you know so yeah. that's good and then finally just to finish this out Indiana looks like they look brilliant today because, yeah they have a good team yeah because all they had to do was flip out an expiring contract and I have to say sort of a distraction in Victor Oladipo he, he's sort of implied that he wants to be traded so he kind of got his wish yesterday uh doesn't look like he would resign with them he wanted a max contract after the injury he wasn't really worth a max contract so that was that was going to turn oh, into a bad situation wait the uh the um the Pacers got Levert I, I messed that up correct yeah the, the Pacers yeah have I actually Levert, said right? the Cavs did but uh oh no, regard- no they have they have Allen and Prince but either way right yeah so they had yeah, the Pacers have a good team you know Sabonis Miles Turner I mean there was almost a deal for Miles Turner the Celtics but now they still kept they kept him they have Sabonis and now instead of Oladipo, they have Levert, which is better. And, and then, they keep him long-term. He's on a long-term deal. And they have Brogdon, too, right. which is yep. good. So they have a good team, you know. And last I don't year's know bubble superstar, TJ Warren, is still there. He'll be back at some yeah. point. I don't. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> uh, but, like, they – I don't know if they're contenders, but they're definitely, like, Eastern Conference Finals contenders, maybe, or, like, yep. semifinals contenders. I mean, it's definitely – they made something out of nothing. I mean, it's a small They could market. win a playoff series. Yeah, it's a small market team that's – you know, has, has some good talent on it for sure. But, you know, yeah, definitely the NBA is all over the place and just so many different facets right now. It's, it's you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy world and crazy sports world as well. So. And the, I think the last thing we should just mention before we head to the, in the NFL is, are we going to end up now? And I hope this doesn't happen. Are we going to end up now with another golden state with Durant situation where the rest of the league either just punts on even trying to compete with them because they know how good they are. Or are we going to have a couple teams here and there who actually try and compete and try and beat this Nets team? I don't think they're as good as that Golden State team. Oh, I do. I think they're, I think they're on, power, on par. Uh, I don't know. I think I would, you know, if you replace Kyrie with Curry right now, it would be way better. And if you replaced, I mean, and they had Clay, so it, they had even more superstars, not, maybe not superstars, but stars and superstars combined. I think the Warriors were better. Well, um, my point is just, are we going to have – half the league or more basically say, all right, we don't even want to try and compete with you because we know how good you guys are going to be and you're going to dominate. No, I think they hope that doesn't happen. Nets, I want to see parity, right? Don't I don't, see I that? think the Nets still have more competition than the Warriors did. I mean, you know, the Celtics could still beat them. The 76ers look better than they did last year, obviously. I mean, they were not as, they were not up to par last year, but I think they're look, look, looking a lot better this year. Ben Simmons is in the MVP conversation. I mean, not Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid is. And then, you know, the Lakers obviously are still the favorites over the Nets, I think. Just, you know, just slightly edging them out. So there's still competition in that regards. I mean, the NBA is always going to have only like, you know, five or six teams that can win the title. That's kind of the way it is. And then the rest of the teams, you know, it's kind of a long shot. Um, but I still think there's a competition more than the Warriors. All right, we'll see. We'll be back with more with Owen on Shorts on Sports next. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Hoff and Pepper Hot Sauce. Handcrafted with farm-fresh jalapenos and habaneros, Hoff's original hot sauce has gone on to win numerous awards and gain international recognition. Hoff and Pepper always strives to create sauces and seasonings that enhance flavors with balanced heat profiles. Every one of their handmade products is manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and is naturally vegan and gluten-free. Shop today at hoffandpepper.com, and when you enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout, you'll save 10% off your purchase. 
This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company, proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price, in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air roasted, 100% money back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. All right, so let's talk NFL. Um, four big divisional games this weekend, second round of the 2021 postseason. Uh, it should be quite some fun watching all these teams. We've got the young quarterbacks, we've got the old quarterbacks. There's a lot going on this weekend. So let's start with uh, the Bills and Ravens. That's just the first game that came to my, came to my head. Uh, yeah, Bills and Ravens. Winning, first of all. Well, I think I'm going to take the Bills slightly, but I think that the Ravens are a significant threat, and, and here's why. First of all, facing Lamar Jackson is just so difficult. It is such it, – it is, it is demoralizing to face this guy. When he runs – and you can't tackle him and you can't chase him down, it's difficult for your defense to continue to, to face that play after play after play. And they could just run three or four running backs at you too, led by Dobbins and, and Edwards is also there. Yeah. Um, Mark Ingram is a third guy. I, I love what Baltimore brings. They're really hot. They're as confident as any team in the league right now, six straight wins. But yeah. I'm going to take Buffalo just because Josh Allen is playing at such a high level. Yeah, their one weakness is the, you know, the Ravens don't have great wide receivers. I mean – Marquise Brown as your wide receiver one isn't great. Um, that's been their struggle all along. I think the Ravens for the entirety of the season had the lowest passing ranking and even lower than the Patriots, which is really bad because um, they were they had no one and their passing was horrible. So that's their one weakness. But, you know, if they can just rely on the run game and their defense, you know, they can definitely make it far. And, you know, you know Marquise Brown definitely has to step it up in order for them to win. I mean, it's going to be a hard game against the Bills. I think it's going to be close. I don't expect any of the teams – I don't expect any of the teams in this round to blow out any of the other teams. I mean, you know, I thought the Buccaneers game was going to be a blowout this first round, and it wasn't. They almost lost to the Washington football team. I mean, maybe not almost lost, but it was closer than it should have been. Right. And uh, so I don't think any of the, ra- the rounds – any of the games this round are going to be blowouts by any mean. I think they're going to be really close games. No, I, I would agree with that. Now – the other thing uh, that stands out to me in this game is the way the Ravens have played defense recently, and that's another reason why I, I, I give them a good shot. We saw last week what they did to Derrick Henry. I've always mm-hmm. think that, I think that Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL, and they shut him down. He was in the 40s in terms of yards, didn't score a touchdown. Uh, and, and, then, and then if you look at what they do on the back end, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, they've got some great secondary players there. Yeah, and they Josh Allen has feasted all year, not only with his legs – but with his arm finding Stefan Diggs and Beasley and the other receivers. Yeah. It's and the tough. Ravens, they're going to, the Ravens won't have to worry. Fight. The Ravens won't have to worry about a run game with the bills. The bills have a pretty weak run game. They don't really rely on it. You know, Devin Singletary, you know, he was better last year, but they, that's not really what they do. They pass a lot, uh, the bills and they, you know, rely on their passing offense, Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, um, among others. So and they it, don't really, yeah, they don't really rely on their run game as much, so the Ravens won't have to worry about that. Nearly right, they can sit back and, and really try to play the pass, and that, that worries me because I think one of the things we've seen from Allen this year is he spread the ball out 
uh, to a number of different targets, as you said, and he's just looked so smooth. If the Ravens can generate a pass rush and also play man coverage on the back end and shut down some of these wideouts and, and make it difficult, they've got a good chance. And with the way Lamar is playing, they're going to be able to score quite a bit on a Bills defense that, let's just be honest, is, is not good. Uh, they, yeah, they have I mean, had their struggles this year. So I, I'm going to pick the Bills. I feel confident in the way the Bills have been playing since the Hale Murray game in Arizona two months ago, whatever it was. But I'm just going to slightly say the Bills are going to win this game just because they're thir- they were 13-3, and three, they played at an extremely high level, and they were the team to beat outside of Kansas City in the, in the AFC all year. Yeah, and then – I don't know. I guess what game should we move on to next? Uh, I guess we'll stay stay in the AFC for now. So uh, Browns versus Chiefs. I mean, I still think the Chiefs are going to win, but you know, the Chiefs have had lots of close games this year, uh, closer than some would have thought. I mean, they lost. They barely beat the Falcons. Uh, they lost to the Chargers in the last week. Obviously, that didn't really matter. But they barely beat the Falcons. They barely beat the Panthers. I mean, they're not. They're still a great team, but you know. Definitely teams are catching up to them. And, you know, I don't know if the Browns defense can handle the Chiefs, though. I, I don't. I want to look this up. I think, I think Owen, I, I, might be, I might be slightly off on this. I believe that each of the Chiefs' last seven wins this year were all by one score. Let me just, let me just check this out. I, I think believe so. I think that's right. But, you know, I don't really – I don't one, think the two, Browns – The Browns four. defense kind of stinks, so. Yep. Set their, each of their last seven wins – from the Panthers game all the way to week 16 or sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Week 16 against the, against the Falcons. All of those games were by, were by one score. The chiefs won all of them. So you could look at that as a bad thing. I'm going to flip it around and say it's a good thing. You know why? Because we know how good Kansas city's offense can be. We saw it last postseason when they hung 51 in a row on Houston and they came back against Tennessee and what they did in the fourth quarter against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I believe that it's actually a good thing that they played close games this year because it shows you that they know how to win the tight ones. But, and we also know that when they play well, they're going to score a ton of points and they can, they can blow you out. Yeah. So I think they're, that's a, honestly, to me, that's a good thing. It, it shows you can win multiple ways. Yeah. You can be, you can be I still think they're going to obliterate. I think they're going to obliterate the Browns. The Browns defense is just not good. I mean, they still, they still beat the Steelers, but they still let up a lot of points to the Steelers and they almost blew the game. Now, maybe not almost blew the game, but they made it closer than it, than it should have been when they were up 28 to nothing. I mean, they still let the Steelers put up a lot of points and the Browns let teams put up a lot of points. I mean, when they beat the Titans earlier this year, they still let the Titans put up like 40 something, you know, it's the Browns offense that kind of pushes them towards victory. And, you know, the Chiefs defense isn't, isn't amazing, but you know, it's defenses that win championships and the defense, you know, the Chiefs defense can step up, but I don't think the Browns defense can step up. I just don't I, think I'm totally on board with that. And, and here's the other thing too. Their defense is bad. But if there's one area where they're strong, it's in their front. Their secondary is horrendous. Yeah. We've, we see the injuries that they've suffered. Denzel Ward is not there. Grady Williams is not there. Uh, Grant Delpit, the rookie, is not there. They have a lot of injuries in the back end of their defense. And what does Kansas City do better than anyone in the NFL? Oh, we have Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, obviously throwing him with Travis Kelsey and, uh, and McCall Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. They have so many weapons. Sammy Watkins, I forgot to mention. They've got more weapons than just about anybody in the NFL. And, of course, when you put Patrick Mahomes up with those weapons and Andy Reid's playbook against a terrible secondary, you're in for it. So I think Patrick can run up the score and score 40 to 45 against this team. I'm, I'm serious. I think they're going to get into the 40s. The yeah. only way Cleveland can win is if they continue to score the ball like they have been with Baker. But I think last week, too, 
a lot of their scoring was off turnovers, and we know the Chiefs don't really turn the ball over. So Ben might turn it over a lot. Patrick's not going to, and the Browns are going to end up losing this game because of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be around like 45 to 21 scores. Oh, you think it's that, you think it's that much of a route? Wow. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that. I think I, I, think I, about I, know, two I touchdowns, said, but not that much. I said earlier that all the games were going to be close, but then I totally forgot that the Chiefs and the Browns were playing. I mean, it's a one seed versus six seed. I mean, it's – I know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. But, you know, obviously, I guess, you know, I guess we can move on to the NFC games. Um, all right. I guess we'll start with Saints, Buccaneers. I mean, you know, I miss Tom Brady. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, as, I'm as a, a Jets fan, fan, dude. I, I, I'm happy he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan, but, you know, I definitely – you know, the Buccaneers, they they just squeaked by the Washington football team, and, you know, the Saints, you know, kind of had their number all year long. You know, they beat them in the first game, and then, you know, they blew them out in the next game 38-3 to or something like that. So – but I, I think it's going to be closer. I think the Buccaneers know what they need to do. Um, I have the Saints squeaking it out by, like, three, like 24-21, to 21, something yeah. like that. I was gonna, I was going to say, same deal with me. I think the Saints will win, but it will be close, and here's why. Not only are the Saints not really playing up to standard, in my opinion. They, I mean, they had a little bit of trouble with the Bears last week. Let's just be honest. It, was not, it didn't come that easily. They only had 21 points on the board. So I don't, I don't necessarily trust the Saints to the extent I once did earlier in this year. But this has a lot, a lot more to do with the Buccaneers. The way that Brady has played, and I hate to admit this, but the way Brady has played in the last month and a half – he has looked as good as he's looked in many, many years. So when you, when you have a quarterback playing with that confidence, and his, obviously he's playing the game so cerebrally with his brain, and then you have the run game that they do with Ronald Jones and the pass game in terms of the weapons they have with Evans and Antonio and Godwin and Gronk, that's tough to stop. Yeah, Bruce Arians has really ceded a lot of the control of this offense over to Brady. He's basically said, Brady, it's your show, run it. And Brady has run it about as effectively as yeah. Because Bruce Arians is not a great coach. He's just not a great coach. I mean, you know, they 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 lost many games this year they shouldn't have because Bruce Arian, you know, he doesn't let he didn't let Tom Brady control it for a while, and he was like, oh, we're just gonna throw the ball deep over and over. And then Tom Brady threw a bunch of interceptions, and it wasn't working. And then finally, they started you know actually running you know slants and shorter passes mixed in with some deep balls, but not nearly as much, and it started to work again. So. I think the Buccaneers have figured things out uh, and, you know, it's going to be a closer game, but you know, if they, if they want to win, it comes down to the Buccaneers secondary stepping up because the Buccaneers secondary, they, they got lit up by Washington football team and Taylor Heineke, which isn't great. So, you know, they have some good players on their defense, obviously, but you know, they don't, they also have a lot of rookies running their secondary and their secondary can get lit up by uh, the saints for sure. And uh, I'm interested to see how the saints in this week, this week use Camara because as we know, past. the Buccaneers have an – and then you can say all you want about their secondary, it's bad. Their front seven, the way they, the way they handle the run, I mean, they're it's as good, good as anybody yeah. in the NFL. That's so, why I think they're going to put Kamara in the passing game. I was going to say, I think Kamara yeah. – this is going to be a big receiving week for Alvin Kamara. Yeah. It's going to make so. the same point. But yeah, I think it's going to be a close game and definitely a fun game to watch. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch it because, you know, I'm already planning on next season, you know, when the, when the Bucks come to Gillette, I'm going to go for sure. Even if it's, you know, a million dollars, I'm going to try to go for sure. Uh, just cause I want to see the return of Tom Brady. It'd be kind of cool. Um, they are know. coming to Gillette next year. I didn't know that. Yeah. The bucks play the Patriots at, at Gillette at home. Okay. Got so, it. You know, it's probably going to be, you know, extremely expensive, but 
going to try to buy it through the Patriots website, not a reseller because, you know, any reseller is going to jack that price up to right. certain amounts, but you know, and then la- what's the last game here? I'm almost forgetting. So we got, why. yeah, we got the, we got the saints. We're picking the saints. We're both picking Kansas city and I'm picking Buffalo. You're picking. Buffalo? I'm, no, I'm picking the Ravens. Okay. Barely. I don't know. Honestly, that one's really up in the air for me. Okay. But the last game is, is the Rams and the Packers at Lambeau. Okay. So mm. I think for this week, Green Bay might be in some trouble. Yeah, the Rams to me, the, Ra- the Rams to me, like I'll, I'll look at it this way. The Rams are as inconsistent as any team you have in the NFL. They're very hard to figure out. They go out and they, they whoop the Seahawks last week with John Wolford starting and then Goff coming in and just coming in with a broken thumb and playing well. But then they lose a couple weeks earlier to the Jets at home when everybody was healthy. It, they make no sense. They're a very inconsistent team. And on top of that, it's weird with the way they turn the ball over at times. The offense, some weeks looks great. And the other weeks, they just can't move the ball at all. It's, it's weird. They're a strange team. Yeah. But when they play well, they're really tough to stop. And the reason is, when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on a defense, they're the number one defense in the NFL, tough to put points on the board. And Green Bay, they've put points on the board pretty easily all year, but they haven't faced a defense like this one, I don't think. So yeah. I want to see how Green Bay handles this. I've been very critical of the Packers in the past, I have to be honest. I thought that Green Bay could have made a lot of upgrades in last year's draft, and they went ahead and drafted a quarterback they can't use and a running back they barely used. Made no sense to me on either count. But they're playing well. They were 13-3, and three, and Matt LaFleur is on a nice job. So I have to put them as the favorite. I think they're going to win this game. But if the Rams come out and make it really tough on Aaron and they get a pass rush and they can possibly force a turnover here and there, the Rams could win this game. It would be, have to be low scoring. They're not going to put 30 or 40 points on the board. But if they could win this game 21-17 or 24-21, something like that, I wouldn't be shocked because if Goff just makes enough plays, doesn't have to make all the plays, but if he just makes enough plays and Cam Akers can kind of carry them as their lead rusher, I could see the Rams potentially pulling off a major upset. I'm not going to pick it because I don't, I wouldn't give it a, a great shot of happening, but if it did end up occurring, I would not be necessarily yeah. shocked. And then also, you know, going back, part of the reasons I even picked the Ravens in the first place, because, you know, before the season started, I, I predicted a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. So obviously 49ers isn't happening, but, you know, at least maybe my prediction will come true on half of the side of it. So that's part of the reason I picked the Ravens. But I think for this Packers-Rams game, I think I have the Packers, but like barely like barely so you think it'll um, be close okay you think it'll be close, yeah but right? I, I think the Rams. it wouldn't shock me if the rams won like it wouldn't be like a huge upset but i mean it would be an upset but not like something that i people didn't couldn't see coming or you know in, impossible well where do you where do you stand on the jared goff dilemma because i think a lot of people can't stand the guy i like him more than most where where do you where do you see him as as an nfl quarterback i think like decent like he's not amazing but he's not i don't think he's horrible I don't think he's like, you know, this terrible. It's just his contract is pretty – they're kind of swallowed up by it. Uh, and it's uh, – you know, they're, they're, a lot of the cap space is going towards it. And, and, you know, that's – I guess that could be the same – said the same for the Saints. I mean, the Saints have like negative something like 90 million in cap space as well. So this is really the Saints' last chance to do this right here. I mean, right. to make a Super Bowl. I mean, they'll still have Alvin Kamara, but they got to shut off a lot of – contract and Drew Brees is retiring after this season he already said he is and uh you know I don't know who they're going to put in at quarterback James Winston maybe but I think this is the Saints window this is it's about to close um well I think the Packers window you could say the same because Jordan Love is sitting there and they want to get him in the game 
I know Aaron is going to have an MVP on his resume this year and they're the best team in the NFC through the, through the whole season. But, you know, maybe they're going to pull the plug next season or something yeah, like that. I don't know. If the Packers don't this, win the Super Bowl, maybe it will – Aaron Rodgers will just be fed up. And yeah, like, I, I, I could see Aaron being not, – not on a new team next year, but the year after, Love's third year, maybe they make that move if, if Aaron doesn't play at the high, yeah. very high level he played at this year. So I, I would actually say a lot of it – a lot of the pressure is on Green Bay. Yeah, Aaron and speaking wants to of win a second quarter. ring, and they need to win one. Now I'm going to pick them over the Rams, like I said, but with the way they can score on you in, and put up points in bunches, and first of all, Devontae Adams is basically unguardable. How do you stop the guy? They have a shot now. Jalen Ramsey is as good as it gets in the back end, and Aaron Donald's as good as it gets on the front line. But I just I trust Green Bay. I do. I mean. I don't necessarily know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I trust them more in this specific matchup. Yeah, I mean, this is their best chance. Team. This is their best chance to win, you know, this year, obviously. Right. Number one seed, you know, they got a bye. Didn't have to play last week. So, yeah, it's definitely their best chance. And, you know, I mean, and then there also just other NFL stuff, you know, there's other quarterbacks who might, you know, I think Matt, Matt Stafford said, said he was done. He's probably going somewhere else. Uh, who knows where. Carson Wentz is done. He's going somewhere else. You know, there's going to be lots of – shifting in the off season. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. One other NFL note that I just saw maybe an hour ago before we started recording. So urban Meyer is going to be the new Jacksonville head coach, most likely. So mm. he will head to head to Florida. And I guess he's going to pair with Trevor Lawrence. Maybe they'll go in another direction with Justin Fields, Ohio state. The Ohio state connection is definitely there with Justin Fields and urban, but I want to see how, how Meyer comes to the NFL and handles himself because Obviously, he's one of the greatest college coaches ever, first at Florida, then at Ohio State. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he does with an amazing young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. But Jacksonville team that has a lot of cap space and draft picks. Yeah, but Jacksonville, like, they're so bad. So, you know, he'll have to – he has a lot to a lot on his plate there <laughs> for sure. But, you know, and then just, you know, other stuff. You know, the NHL season started, but it's not much. It just started. It's a new yeah, season. Yeah, last night, last but, night, yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. But, you know, lots of – you know, lots of stuff, you know, happening in the sports world, good and bad for sure. So Right. And, ho- and hopefully COVID can stay away from sports and make this as easy as it can be on all these different leagues. Obviously, that's, yeah. that's a huge I mean, it's definitely – yeah. I don't know. The NHL is probably going to run into the same problems as the NBA soon. Yeah. All right. Good to talk to you, Owen. Thanks for yeah. coming on the show today. Yeah. I definitely I appreciate, appreciate all the work you've done behind the scenes. Definitely wanted to uh, get you on here and happy we did yeah, it, it on good. this Thursday morning. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, make sure you check me out on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, make sure you, you follow us, subscribe, uh, subscribe on Spotify, and follow the Belly Up Podcast Network because they have a lot of great shows on there. There are a number of great podcasts, and there's articles you can read. There's a lot to do on the website. So make sure you follow all of us at, uh, at, on the website and on our personal social media, all that. Uh, and we'll see you next week with more content. Thank you, Owen, for coming on. Enjoy everybody's yeah. weekend. and. Enjoy the football games because that's a a huge part of this weekend. So enjoy the divisional round and see everybody later.